Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Fizz Nation. It's another edition of Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz bringing down everything you need to know. This is the spot for everything Syracuse football and Syracuse basketball. Basketball, a big game coming up today against Boston College at 2 o'clock in the Carrier Dome. A rematch of a game they won a couple of weeks ago at Chestnut Hill. That should be a fun one. We'll also break down the second period of National Signing Day and the end of Syracuse's 2019 class. Picked up a couple of really good recruits that can help them a lot moving forward. It's an exciting time to be a Syracuse basketball and a Syracuse football fan, especially Maybe basketball fans aren't feeling quite as good as they had been the first couple of games in ACC play. They got blown out by Florida State on Tuesday night in the Carrier Dome. And this was a game that got ugly, then got pretty, then got really ugly again. Yeah, no, I once Syracuse started to make the comeback, I thought, well, maybe Ty's battle can lead this team to victory. Obviously, Frank Howard and Pascal Chukwu didn't show up to play. But you have Ty's. Elijah Hughes, he scored a lot, he but he wasn't very efficient, so... That's a problem there. But Tyus Battle, he had, let's see, 23 on the night, and he was just skating past guys all night long. It was a very frustrating game to watch. I was in the Dome for Fizz, reporting for Fizz, and you can almost see the tweets that we sent out. It was almost as if we had this roller coaster effect, this bell curve almost, for those of you out there that took a statistics course at some point, high school, college, or whatever. You had this low, low point at the beginning of the game. Syracuse is down by 22 at one point. They're getting blown out. Florida State's on a 30-7 to run. The offense looks incompetent. They're 1-for-7 from deep, 1-for-4 from the free throw line. They're turning the basketball over. They're getting beat up on the offensive glass by Florida State. Second-chance opportunities everywhere. And then all of a sudden, Tyus Takeover. I think that's going to be a nickname I'm going to start using. Tyus Takeover just comes up. And he swoops you out from underneath your feet, and he just takes it to Florida State. Syracuse gets hot. They ended. They end the first half on I think a 17 to four run. They cut it to a smaller halftime lead, a single digit halftime lead for Florida State. Then they get it all the way down to one in the second half. And you're like, oh my goodness, they're about to pull this off. And then Florida State ends the game on a 34 to 17 run in the last 14 minutes. The offense disappears, and really the frustrating thing I think altogether was Tyus was great. We talked about it. He was awesome. He was by far and away the best player on the floor for Syracuse. But he only scored, what, seven points in the second half? That's that's not so much a problem with him, but the fact that four guys, four, scored for Syracuse. That is not acceptable if you're Jim Behan. That is just not what you, what, what you want to see on the floor, and that's not something that's going to win you basketball games in the ACC. Well, and that's the thing about Tyus Battle this year. There has been times where he just kind of looks lost, not you know, he's just not into it, and that was how it started the, early in the game, and then he got into it, and he got angry, and he was getting frustrated, and he just went off, as we said, but when Frank Howard, Pascal Juku give you nothing, Ty's battle did his, his work, but then, like you said, second half, he kind of slowed down, he started off slow in the first half, you need other guys to step up, O'Shea Brissett, second game in a row, he had a very good game, so he's starting to find his groove once again, but Frank Howard, Pascal Chukwu, I mean, Jalen Carey didn't do anything. He played a minute, but 
there's just not enough scoring going around. I love the way that Coach Beheim put it after the game. We got 15 minutes of zeros and 18 minutes of zeros, something along those lines from Frank Howard and Pascal Chukwu. And at some point, you can't even point to, oh, Tyus, he didn't play a good second half. He didn't score as well as he did, he did in the first. Well, he, he's not getting help, so the defense is like, okay, nobody else can score, so we're just going to double Tyus. We're going to front him. We're going to put a lot of pressure on him. That's what Florida State likes to do. They're long. They're athletic. They don't really have a guy that's going to protect the middle. They're just going to come out and come after you, very similar to what Virginia Tech did a couple of weeks ago. And that, again, another game where Syracuse got blown out. It's just it's so frustrating and, and frankly, infuriating to watch this offense at times. Because you want the ball in Tyus's hands, but it's dribble, 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 crossover dribble, try to get by, try to get by, try to, nothing works. Then you pass it off to Tyus and he has to make something he has to make something out of nothing. And you, you just can't you can't have that. I do like that you brought up O'Shea Brissett, though. Back to back games now with double doubles. I think he'll be really important to have a good game today against Boston College because the last time these teams met a couple of weeks ago in Chestnut Hill, yeah, Syracuse came out with a six point win, but O'Shea was next to nowhere. And I think that having him moving forward and having him in a spot where he says, okay, I'm confident on offense. I can take it to the bucket. I can draw contact. That's really important for him moving forward and for this team to have some source of offense because right now it looks like Pascal and Frank are not going to give it to you. Another guy I want to touch on is Elijah Hughes. He had 17 points, but he was just 4 of 12 from the field. He did go 5 of 5 from the free throw line. You need better production out of Elijah Hughes. He needs to be more efficient, but at least he's chucking up shots. Frank Howard put up two shots, but the biggest thing, he was 0 from... 0 for 3 from the free throw line, and that's the free just throw, The free throw shooting is just, oh my god. It's, it's so bad. And uh, What were they in this game? They 15 missed like, of 24. That's so bad. Like, how do you expect to win basketball games when you're 15 of 24 from the free throw line? I mean, you're leaving 9 points on the floor right there. I think at one point I tweeted the fact that, you know, at some point you might even want the refs to swallow the whistles and just hope you get an offensive rebound. Because that's more, you're more likely to get points out of that than you are from the free throw line. I mean, O'Shea, who was a great free throw shooter last year, went something like 16 of 16 for the line from the line in that win over Buffalo last season. He was really, really good from the charity stripe. He has disappeared. He can't knock down a free throw. His body language is bad when he's at the free throw line. It's almost as if he knows he's going to miss. Frank's the same way. And frankly, Tyus isn't as good of a free throw shooter as he was last year. And Beheim has talked about it a couple of times, how he, you know, the guys that he worked with in the summer in the pre-draft workout and kind of working out in L.A. over the summer, they kind of messed with his shot a little bit. They tweaked it a little bit, tried to get a little more NBA ready. And Coach is like, well, I, I wish they didn't do that because now we can't shoot free throws. But overall, this this game was just very frustrating to to watch. Because you see the sparks of brilliance. You see the glimmers of hope when you're in that comeback train. You see takeover Tyus. Tyus takeover just going after the ball. He looked angry. He had the snarl. He had the mean mug on. And then you see the second half collapse. And it's just, it, it almost came out of nowhere. It was like it was a one point game a couple of times. Florida State hits two threes and the game's over. They just, it looked like they gave up. It, it I just don't understand this team sometimes. And, and you're still 7-3 and three in the ACC. That's a great start in what I think is the best conference in the country. 
and many probably would agree with that when you got Virginia, Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, all teams you're going to be playing in the next couple of weeks if you're Syracuse. We'll get to that in a bit. You're still off to a good start, but you have got to regroup today against Boston College. You cannot suffer back-to-back embarrassing home losses because you got embarrassed because you got blown out by a good Florida State team. It might even be more embarrassing if you lose to a not-so-great Boston College team in the Dome. Well, and Boston College played Syracuse very tough last time a couple weeks ago. I mean, Kai Bowman had 21, Jordan Chat- Chatman had 21, excuse me, and they just shot lights out from three. The two of them, Kai Bowman went 50%, and that's just a guy you cannot let get going again because Syracuse got lucky that they pulled that one out. If you let him go 50%, he was 6-6 six six from the free throw line, something that Syracuse, none of their guys can say at the moment. This is a shooter, and if he gets hot again, watch out because anything could happen. Well, that's exactly the problem and, and what you have to take away from this Boston College team. That's the dynamic duo. You don't have Winston Tabs, the freshman guard who is having a whale of a freshman season. He was out in that game. He hasn't played a game since Florida State a couple of Mondays ago. He was reportedly uh, spotted on crutches in their game earlier this week. So you'd figure with the knee injury he's been going through, he is listed as day-to-day, so there's a chance he plays. But if he doesn't, that takes a component out of their offense. It's going to run through Kai Bowman and Jordan Chapman. That's the fact of the matter. Syracuse did an excellent job, I thought, of shutting down Nick Popovich at times. They're a starting center, who is their second leading scorer at 14 points a game, behind Kai Bowman, who is just a special basketball player. I mean, he is really, really special. They graduated a guy in Jerome Robinson from last season, went top 14, a lottery pick in the NBA, and he, he was the best score in the ACC a season ago, and they're still regrouping and they still score. It's just a matter of whether you can contain them a little bit because it's only the two guys. That's all you have to do is really contain Chapman and Bowman enough to where they don't have as big of an impact on the game as they normally could. And speaking about Popovich, I thought Pascal Chukwu actually did a pretty good job against him last time. He played pretty good defense. Popovich had 11-3 of 6 from the field. But the thing about Boston College, they can shoot the ball lights out. And it's not just that they shoot well from 3. They don't miss from the free throw line. You put them on the line, they're going to make it. They were 20 of 23 against Syracuse. SU, they went 8 of 15 in that game. So this has been a trend all year long. And Tyus Battle, like you said, he's shooting 78% this year. He hit shit, or he hit 83% last year. So... Big decrease from him and for the whole team across the board. And I feel like we always talk about the free throws with Syracuse. It's always been a problem. You've had you know, a guy like Arinze Onowaku, who was a terrible free throw shooter. You've got had a guy like Baimu Cicada, who another terrible free throw shooter. And you've got guys like that on this team. Pascal Chuku, not a good free throw shooter. Better than he used to be, still not good. Barama Sidibe, who, by the way, where has he been? I... I I guess they're just going with Marek and Pascal moving forward, which honestly I think is fine at this point if you don't play Barama Sidibe all that much, if you don't need him. I think they could use him against Boston College a little bit because he will have a size advantage over what is usually a three-guard lineup for the Eagles. But it, it just always seems like free throws are a problem for the Orange. I don't I don't know why. Is, is it like a program thing? Is it a player's thing? It's <laughs> I just don't get it. But a lot, at least you got Elijah Hughes. Let him get fouled all the time because he is – Pretty much automatic from the free-throw line. Like you said, 5-for-5 five five against Boston College. Another guy that I want to talk about in, in, in going against that Florida State game and going back to that Florida State game, Jalen Carey. He plays one minute, and that's it. Frank Howard got pulled a bunch. He, the hook has been very quick 
for Frank Howard this season, especially in the last five or six games. And I think that's because Buddy Bayheim has improved. But why don't you give Jalen Carey a little bit of run? He's supposed to be your best freshman. I know he's nursed uh, you know, an injury this season, but it seems like if you're putting him in the game, he's healthy enough to play. So why aren't we seeing more of him? That's my question. And that's something that I've been asking all year long. He's just afraid to play now. Earlier in the year, he had 26 against UConn. He had six turnovers That was in an that incredible game. game. Incredible. But he was confident, and that's something he's lost throughout the year. He has one turnover, immediately gets pulled. Jim Beheim, is, he has no leash for Jalen Carey, and Jalen Carey's play has just decreased all year long. I mean, he can barely dribble the ball without dribbling it off his foot now, and it's just it's tough to watch when he's out there. But the thing is, he didn't play against Miami. He played a minute here. When you're getting blown out or if you're crushing a team like SU was against Miami— why not put him in the game? Let him play. I will say, though, the, the turnover that caught him pulled was ugly. I think it came off a steal, and then he just, on a on a break, as a guard, guard and a point guard, you, you got to be able to facilitate and start that break and get your team points. He, he did not do that. But another reason he's not playing much is because Buddy Beheim has emerged. He has looked awesome. And he only had, what, six points against Florida, or excuse me, yeah, against Florida State on Tuesday he didn't hit a three. He was 0 for 6, which is concerning, but I really don't think all that concerning because coming into that game, he was shooting better than 50% from the three-point line in ACC play. But now he's showing off different parts of his game. He's an excellent defender. He is really, really good at the top of the zone. He gives you the same length that you're going to get in Frank Howard, but I think makes fewer mistakes on defense than Frank does. And then on offense, he's got that three-point shooting that's always going to be a weapon, and he's also learned to take it, take a step inside the three-point line, knock down a mid-range jumper, take it to the take it to the boards, take it to the glass, runner off the glass a couple of times in that game against Florida State. I'm really excited to see how Buddy Beheim continues to grow this season, and I think he could be a really important piece in the next three years because I think he's staying all four years. I think that's pretty much determined for him with the name he's got. But he's going to be a really exciting piece moving forward, and he's starting to really come together right now. Well, and the thing people say about Frank is, how is he not better in the zone? He's been in the system four years. Well, Buddy Beheim's been in the system for 18 years. So if there's anybody who's learned the zone, it's that guy. And, yeah, you mentioned it, J.D. He went 0 for 6 from 3, but the thing I liked about this game and something that we've seen Buddy Beheim do throughout the year is he's showing more confidence. And I like that, yeah, he's missing some shots. That's not going to be an every game thing. He's really shooting much better, like you said, in ACC's play. But he's missing. He's just continuing to put him up. And that's something we didn't see out of Frank Howard. Jalen Carey's been afraid to shoot. Pascal Chuk was not doing anything. Somebody's got to chuck up shots. And I like that out of Buddy Beheim and Elijah Hughes. He's looking a heck of a lot more confident. And that's something that Elijah Hughes and Frank Howard both talked about. After the first game against Boston College, he had 13 points, knocked down 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. He was really, really good in that game. He was really, really good in the Pittsburgh game. He was really, really good against Miami. There have been a lot of games where he's been, you know, the second-best guy on offense. But just imagine a game where you get Buddy hitting, you get Elijah hitting, you get takeover Tyus, and you've got, you know, a couple of points from Frank Howard, a couple of points from Pascal Chuku, and you get, you know, 10 and 10. For Mo Shaber said, this team has the potential to be really, really good. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Maybe they can do that today against Boston College. That game coming up in the Dome at 2 o'clock. We will have it for you on Orange Fizz, at Orange Fizz on Twitter, on OrangeFizz.net. And we'll preview that game on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.
Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, getting you ready for Syracuse and Boston College part dose in the Carrier Dome later today. Tip off at 2 o'clock. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz to break it down here for you. And we talked about it a little bit before the break, Thomas. This is a Boston College team that can hurt you in a couple of ways. They've got Kai Bowman and Jordan Chapman. Those are really the guys you got to focus on. But they also gave Syracuse a pretty good game at County Forum in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts a couple of weeks ago. 77-71 was the Syracuse win there in Chestnut Hill. And the six-point margin would indicate a close game, and I think it ended up being pretty close at the end of the game. But for a lot of a lot of that matchup, Syracuse had you know a double-digit lead, and it was a lot more comfortable than the six-point margin. And, and frankly, that's a good example of a game where multiple guys step up for you, and multiple guys have good games, so that you're not leaving Tyus Battle all alone to have to save the day for Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, Buddy Beheim had a great game. He had 13 on the day, so he really showed out at Boston College. But Tyus Battle, once again, had a phenomenal game. He had 31 in that one. O'Shea Brissett had 10. Frank Howard had 9, so a better game than he's shown recently. And, and honestly, 9 points, that, that's great. You're not looking for much from Frank Howard. Last year, I think he was the number 2 option offensively. Maybe O'Shea was the number 2 option. But now you've got... Elijah is your number two scoring option far and away. Then you've got O'Shea. And then I think even off the bench, I think Buddy is much more of a scoring option than Frank Howard. All you need him to do is just chip in. That's all you're looking for. And he didn't do it against Florida State. Pascal had a couple of points in that Boston College game a couple of weeks ago. You're just asking for contributions. Just don't put up zeros. That's, that, that's all it needs to be with this offense and the way that Tyus can get going. Yeah, I mean, Frank Howard went 4 of 7 from the field, so a game like that, that's what you're looking for. He's kind Efficiency! Of, yeah, he's kind Love of in the same territory where, hey, similar to Pascal Chukri, if you get anything, great. That's what we're looking for. But, I mean, once again, you got to stop Kai Bowman. you got to stop Jordan Chapman. The thing about Jordan Chapman is he kind of shot the game away for BC. He did have 21 points, but he went 4 of 12 from 3, and he started hot. He, he was on fire he, he from was 3 at the beginning young. of the game. On but, fire, and he just kind of fell apart. He, he fell apart, and then Boston College kind of went with him. And so he really, he and Kai Bowman exploited the zone to start out, but then Chapman just start, started chucking up junk, and that's when it all fell apart. And the interesting thing that Boston College does is most of the time when you play against the Syracuse zone and you watch an opponent, somebody's going to be at the ACC logo. You know that. Usually... It's going to be your three, your small forward, a guy that can distribute but can also score inside, maybe can step out a little bit, hit a jumper. With Boston College, you're putting your smallest guy at the ACC logo. They put a lot of Kai Bowman in the middle of that 2-3 zone, and they just want his hands on the ball. That's the name of the game for BC. Let's put Kai in the spots where he can knock down a jumper, he can take a step out, he can facilitate the offense from the high post. That was something very interesting uh, that I saw against Boston College in that game was, was the fact that we're, we're going to get Kai Bowman the ball as much as humanly possible. And like we said before the break, that's really the, the name of the game with BC is let's shut down, or at least defending BC, is shut down Kai Bowman, shut down Jordan Chapman, because outside of that, they're not going to score a whole lot of points. you got to shut those two guys down, and if you do, your, your chances of winning the basketball game go up exponentially. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see if Boston College sticks with the same 
uh, game plan where they just get Kai Bowman the ball as much as possible, or if they try to get Nick Popovich more involved. He had 11 in that last game, which he averages 14, so 11's not bad, but it seemed like he was kind of out of it a lot. He had five of those points from the free throw line, so Pascal Chukwu didn't do a lot on offense, but he did play very good defense, which is something that Syracuse needs to see once again today, and Kai Bowman, you cannot let him get to that ACC logo. That's just too easy. you got to push him as far out as you can on the three-point line. Just make him keep shooting further and further away and see what happens. And honestly, the thing is, he hit one of the most bananas threes I've ever seen in that game. End of the shot clock, falling away in the corner, two guys in his face, pretty much just chucked it up over his head and he splashed it. I mean, it's almost like you're playing 2K and you got the difficult shot little icon that they give to some players or the the deep eye or the dead range deep eye or some dead eye deep range or something like that it, 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 he's just a guy that can make any shot that you that you throw at him he can make them all but like you said it's a matter of making him take the difficult ones and hoping he misses a couple he's going to get his that's that's just the way it is with Kai Bowman he's that talented of a scorer he can do it in a lot of ways he's probably going to be the fastest guy on the floor most of the time when he's out there against Syracuse I'd say Almost all of the time, unless you've got a guy, maybe Tyus is faster, fast-ish compared to him, but Kai Bowman flies. I mean, the dude had, this gets overblown a lot, the dude had a football offer to play wide receiver from Alabama. That's incredible. He's an athlete. He'll dunk over you. He had a dunk that got blown off (laughs) in the last game against Syracuse, where he pretty much jumped from the free throw line and threw it down on the break. He's a really special player. You've got to be able to contain him. The other interesting thing for the Syracuse game, not only just trying to contain Kai Bowman today in the Carrier Dome, this is also the last gimme. And when I say gimme, it's not a gimme. No game in the ACC is a gimme. But this is the last quote-unquote easy game you get before an absolute gauntlet coming up for Syracuse. You get a couple of days off after the BC game. Then you've got to play a ranked NC State team at NC State next Wednesday. After that, it doesn't get easier. Got a top 15 Louisville team that you got to play the Wednesday after that. Luckily, you get a week off in between. But three days after the Louisville game, it's the one everybody's waiting for. Number whatever, top five Duke coming to the Carrier Dome. It's going to break all kinds of attendance records. It's going to be the most attended game probably in college basketball history. And then you think, oh, wow, that's a tough three-game stretch. NC State, Louisville, Duke. Sorry. Three days later, you've got to go on the road and play North Carolina at the Dean Dome. I mean, this is a ridiculous stretch coming up for Syracuse. That's why getting this win against Boston College is so important because it is very probable. I won't I won't say probable, but it's very possible that you go 0-4 in your next four games, and that puts a hurting on your resume. That puts a hurting on the number in your loss column. This Boston College game is huge, not only because you got to bounce back from Florida State, but also because you've got the toughest part of your schedule all season long coming up. Yeah, I mean, you probably need to get at least the 10 wins in the ACC to really secure your spot in March Madness. Boston College, that's a big one off the bat. NC State, that's a game that you really want to get. I know we sent out a poll to Fizz Nation. They said in the next three games of Boston College, NC State, and Louisville, they expect the Orange to take two out of the three. So, NC State, that's a big that's, one. That, <laughs> that might that's be. Tough. We'll talk about that in his feedback, but that might be a, a little bit, yeah. you know, especially after. I'm surprised. Usually, Fizz Nation does not react well to a loss of the caliber of Florida State, but they've got faith. And I, it's not like. I think Syracuse is really talented. They just haven't put the pieces together yet. They've got the scoring, they've got the defense, they got the length. You got to put the pieces together, and now is the time to do it. 
it's now or never. You put yourself in the hole with the four non-con losses. Now you got to step up. You did it. You went seven and two through your first nine, seven and three through your first ten in the ACC. That is really, really good. Continue that. Otherwise, you're going to have a very tough road ahead. Well, and the thing is, just as Boston College relied on Kai Bowman in that last game, Syracuse relied on Tyus Battle, who had 31 and really just took over. He didn't just score. He distributed. He had six assists, and they'll probably rely on him a lot in this game as well to really just say, hey, go make us a play and win us this game because we need it. We got NC State up next. That, you know, NC State, Louisville, try to take at least one of those. And then you mentioned JD, JD. You got North Carolina. After that, you get Wake Forest. A little bit easier. Then you get Virginia. So not not an easy road in the ACC. I mean, it, it just doesn't get easy. This is the toughest part of the schedule. You need Tyus Battle at his game. You need Elijah Hughes. You need Buddy Bayheim to splash some threes. Just need the team to be on the same page. Even Wake, though. I mean, Wake beat NC State. Like the like any game is winnable. Any game is losable in the ACC. Sure, there are powerhouse teams, and Syracuse is right. I think Syracuse is toward the middle top, if that makes sense, in the ACC. You're probably behind Virginia, Duke, Carolina, Louisville, NC State, then Syracuse. You're right around six out of, what, 14 teams in the conference. you got to play. You're also playing at this point for a bye in the ACC tournament. That's that's another thing that you're playing for. Top four teams get a bye. You have a good enough uh, you have a good enough record in the ACC right now that if you continue to play at the status quo and you continue at this pace, you're putting yourself in a good spot for the ACC tournament. But it all starts today against Boston College, 2 o'clock in the Carrier Dome. We'll have you covered at Orange Fizz on Twitter, orangefizz.net for the postgame article, the postgame reactions from all the players, Coach Bayheim, everybody. Keep it locked. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a huge game for Syracuse. And really, it was a huge week for Syracuse's athletics because football had National Signing Day. We'll get into the four new recruits that Syracuse signed earlier this week. On the other side, it's Fizz Radio. All right, folks, we talked a little Syracuse basketball. Syracuse and Boston College coming up at 2 o'clock in the Carrier Dome this afternoon. But let's flip the switch. Let's talk a little bit of Syracuse football. National Signing Day 2.0 is what we'll call it here at Orange Fizz. The second part the second National Signing Day of the season. We had the early signing period in December where Syracuse signed a bulk of their 2019 class, a class that I think and a lot of us think is a very underrated in terms of what you got. But now you got four new guys that you signed, and just like the earlier part of the class, this is another four guys that really fill needs for the Syracuse football team. This is not a class that's flashy. There are no four-star recruits. We'll get into that because originally it had four or it had two four-star recruits, and it had three four-star recruits. Then at the end of the day, all of a sudden, there's no four-star recruits. We'll talk a little bit about that, Thomas. But the fact that Syracuse filled so many needs, they filled linebacker, they filled defensive end, and now they filled quarterback with David Summers, the uh, the gunslinger out of Connecticut. This is a class that, like I said, not all that flashy, but they give you what you need. And the thing about David Summers is they took him away from Maryland, so it's nice to see them going into Big Ten territory or – Taking from a Big Ten school, at least, and saying, "Hey, you know, you can yeah, come." Maryland is not exactly Big Ten territory. But that's <laughs> yeah. that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, but what I do like about this class, and like you said, they did sign the bulk in the early signing period. But the top six guys are on the defensive side, which is something that for an offensive-minded coach and Dino Babers is really nice to see him doing. I mean, 
when you get the speed at linebacker that he's gotten and you get the guys in the secondary, you've really solidified your defense for the for the future. Yeah, and you got two more defensive players in this last batch of four. Jason Munoz, the defensive lineman who you stole away from Miami, which was nice to see. You picked a team away from another ACC school. He was originally committed to Miami, then flipped his commitment early last week. Uh, and, and then signed with Syracuse over over this week. Then you got Stephen Linton, another defensive end, a speed rusher, an edge rusher, who along with a guy like Jertu Azama could be forming the defensive ends and Ishmael Goldborn of the future. Maybe not in the immediate future because you've got Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman coming back as two of the best defensive ends in the ACC. But again, you're building for the future. You, you, you got four games to play with. You got the red shirt rule. There's a lot that Syracuse can do defensively where they say, all right, let's give you a couple of reps here, a couple of reps there. We'll still maintain your eligibility, and then you'll be a big piece for us you know, moving forward. That's something that I really liked from this class. It might not be immediate need outside of quarterback. We'll talk a little bit more David Summers in a second. But the guys you got on defense are really, really talented and can be molded into really great football players in the future for Syracuse. And that's the next step for this program. Obviously, they had a great year this year, had double-digit wins, but... Dino Babers has taken over, and he brought those guys, and that's the first layer. Then you build the depth, and that's what he's doing. And look, these defensive ends, they are fast, they are speedy, and that's what he likes to see off the edge, obviously. Kendall it's, Coleman, the new, Robinson. it's the new age of pass rusher. Right. And it's so, the I mean, guys like Clemson had. The new age of speed rusher. It's not so much, oh my God, look, it's Vince Wolfork, and Vince Wolfork was never a, a pass rusher. He was a run stopper. But now you got a guy like a Khalil Mack like an Aaron Donald, who are fast, they are strong, and they'll get by you. And Syracuse, I'm not saying that Ishmael Goldborn or that Stephen Linton or Jason Munoz is going to be Khalil Mack or J.J. Watt or somebody like that, but at least you got guys that are fitting the prototype, fitting the mold of a player that could have immediate impact once they hit the field. And the thing about uh, Stephen Linton, just like Jason Munoz, he picked Syracuse over some pretty top-notch programs, such as USC. Obviously, they're struggling, but that's still the University of Southern California right there. So, Who actually then stole a, stole a recruit away from Syracuse. Exactly. Dorian Hewitt, the safety from Texas, going to USC. But, yeah, I think this proves a lot, like you were kind of mentioning, Thomas, that now Syracuse has the ability to recruit with the big dogs. You know, Dino Babers is all about personality. He's got a team full of big dogs now, and now you got to get after it and get after it in recruiting, he's proving that he can do that. And the thing is, the Northeast doesn't have a lot of talent compared to the rest of the country when it comes to recruiting. So what Dino Babers is doing is he's saying, all right, I might not get many guys from New York. He didn't have any in this class, but I'm going to go recruit Florida. I'm going to go recruit Georgia. I'm going to go recruit Texas. And that's exactly what he's done. And he sent his assistant, Nick Monroe, down to Florida, and he has been phenomenal. He was one of the best recruiters in the ACC for this cycle. He goes and signs Michael Jones, Cornelius Nunn, two big-time Florida defensive players there, one a linebacker, one a secondary guy. And, look, he's just bringing the speed, bringing the talent back up north to Syracuse, and that is good to see because the talent – it's a little deprived here, so he's going down south, going out west to get it. The swag daddy, Nick swag Monroe, daddy. <laughs> nicknamed by Trill Williams, who said, it's actually my nickname, but I bestowed it upon Coach Monroe because he's a swaggy guy like myself. Trill's words, not mine. But Nick Monroe <laughs> has turned himself into a really great recruiter. A guy that we haven't mentioned yet, a running back, a top 100 running back in his class, Garrison Johnston out of Texas. He's one of those big, bulky kind of almost mixed backs where he's got speed, but he's also got power. 
and I don't want to compare him quite yet, but kind of just looking at his body type almost reminds me of maybe a C.J. Anderson, you know, a bulkier guy that can still go, though. Yeah, he's a bulky guy. He's 5'11", 210, and we've seen this from what Dino Babers likes to do. He likes to get that electric guy, that Mo Neal, that flashy, elusive back, but he likes to pair him with the Thunder, the Dante Stricklands, the Jarvian Howards of the world, and Garrison Johnson, he fits that mold, so that's exciting to see. Bring that power, that bruising back to Syracuse. And you're recruiting out of Texas, like you said, broadening your horizons a little bit for Syracuse and being able to go down and pluck guys away uh, from a a pipeline, frankly. I mean, Texas, everybody says Texas has the best high school football in the country, blah, blah, blah. You hear that all the time, but the fact of the matter is there are a lot of good players in Texas. But let's talk about what I think is the star and the shining, you know, the pinnacle of this group of four here. That's David Summers, the quarterback. He's talented. He's got a big arm, great intangibles. From what we've heard from assistant coaches, he has a great attitude. He wants to win. The fact of the matter is, though, he provides you some depth at quarterback because until he signed, Syracuse had two quarterbacks on the roster for next season, Tommy DeVito and Clayton Welch. Now, if goodness gracious, if anything happens, you've got something in the back, you know, in your back pocket with David Summers, and that's exciting. And what's interesting, with Eric Dungey, we thought, you know, maybe Dino Babers likes this guy who can run, can throw. Of course, Eric Dungey wasn't Dino Babers' guy. He was at Syracuse before Dino, and then Dino goes and gets a big-time gunslinger in Tommy DeVito. He just went and nabbed another one from Connecticut, David Summers. So clearly he likes these guys who can take shots downfield, who can throw the ball 100 yards or whatever. I mean, just seeing what Tommy DeVito did last year was astounding. Seems like David Summers, maybe not that kind of arm talent, but still very, very good. And you've got the guy who can, if anything happens to Tommy DeVito, can step in and play the same kind of offense. Take the top off. That's the name of the game for Dino Babers. We'll dink and dunk you till we hit you downfield and you don't know what hit you with Nikeem Johnson, Taj Harris, guys like that, Sean Riley, even downfield. Syracuse football coming off the one of the best years in a long, long time in terms of win production, in terms of how fun it was to watch. They will be fun again to watch next season. The opener against Liberty is just a couple of months away. It seems far away as of right now, but it is closer than you think. All your coverage for recruiting, for anything Syracuse football, will be right here on Orange Fizz. All right, one last quick, 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 quick break. Excuse me. I was trying to get to the break too quick. But when we come back, your favorite segment of the show, it's time to have your voices heard. It's Fizz Feedback on The Score 1260. Putting a bow on it here on Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Just a couple of minutes left in the show. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. And with those couple of minutes, we do what we always do in the final segment. It's time to hear from you guys. It's time to hear from Fizz Nation. It's Fizz Feedback. And we put out a couple of polls earlier in the week. We got some interesting responses, I think. The first one is in the next three games for Syracuse. That's Boston College today, North Carolina State next Wednesday, and then the Wednesday after against Louisville. What will Syracuse's record be? We said, you know, will they win all three? Will they go 2-1? and one? Will they go 1-2? and two? Or will they lose every game? And the winner at, what is that, 54% of the vote going with 2-1 and one against a really tough stretch. I think today's game is a win for Syracuse. I don't envision them losing on their home floor to a Boston College team that they already beat at Boston College 
and, and you know, they know how to beat them. They know that they got to shut down Kai Bowman, Jordan Chapman, and I think that everybody is trending in the right direction. At least the big guys for Syracuse are trending in the right direction in terms of Tyus Battle, Buddy Bayheim, and O'Shea Brissett. And Elijah, like, like you said, Thomas, scored 17 against Florida State, so they're turning in the right direction. So I think that's a win, and I, I figured you'd, you'd probably agree with that, right, that today's a win for Syracuse? Yeah, I'd say today's a win. I, I agree with Fizz Nation, actually. I think they get two out of the three. I don't see them dropping back-to-back games. If they lose at NC State, I think they're going to come back to the Dome with some vengeance and you know, take out that Louisville team. I think one of the two, if they beat NC State, they might flop against Louisville. But Boston College, that needs to be a win if this is going to happen. It, it does need to be a win. I, I'm I'm impressed with how how much faith you have in this Syracuse basketball team because NC State, yeah, they just had one of the worst performances of all time, putting up 24 points in a game. Yeah, that's not in a half. That's 24 points in a game. They went nine of 54 in that game. They they missed 45 shots. I think that was the lowest in the shot clock era. Lowest in the shot clock era for I think any top 25 team. I'm yeah. sure there was some like yeah. <laughs> Owen 72 like low level Big South team that lost that scored fewer. But for a top 25 team at the time, the fewest in the shot clock era. I I still think they're a really good basketball team. I think they've got pieces that can give Syracuse some problems. And I think Louisville might be the, one of the most underrated teams in the country. There are a lot of good players on that on, on that Louisville team and a lot of players that I think can hurt Syracuse, specifically Wara, one of their forwards, who is kind of a stretch forward, almost like O'Shea Brissett, but a better shooter and maybe a little bit more athletic and a little bit bulkier than O'Shea. I think he's going to be the guy in the middle of that 2-3 zone at the ACC logo. I hate to say it, but I think it's one and two. I I I find it very difficult to believe. Eh, maybe it's two and one. I don't even see this. This team has me frazzled. Never has know. me confused. You never know what you're gonna get. If you get what you got against even BC, I think you beat NC State because I think if Tyus takes it over and Buddy has a good game and you get some contributions from some other guys. You'll have a good game, but if you play like you did against Florida State, you got no chance of beating NC State because they're that they're a good enough team to beat, especially on the road. I'd say one and two. I find it hard to believe that they're going to go on the road in Raleigh and beat NC State, and then come back and not have that be a debilitating loss, and then beat Louisville, who I think is a really good team. I'll say one and two, but two and one wouldn't surprise me. Don't think they're going to win all three. I think there'll be a loss somewhere in there. I certainly don't think they're going to lose every game. So, like I said, I think Boston College is a win. It's going to be a really tough road if they just beat Boston College and then lose those two back-to-back. That puts them behind the eight ball. And then you've got Duke and UNC coming up next. So, I think Jim Beheim's like, hey, guys, we have to win one of these games. We can't go on a four-game losing streak at the end of the season in ACC play. That's just unacceptable. Four-game losing streak that would then be going into Duke. Yeah. The biggest game of the year. It, it would be bad, it, it, and you need you need one of these, and I think this is a cardiac cue situation. I think they pull out one of them, probably NC State. I think Louisville's just, like you said, too good of a team. They beat Michigan State. They beat North Carolina. They are, I think, I agree with you, one of the most underrated teams in the country, if not the most underrated. Fizz Nation says 2-1. and one. Thomas says 2-1. and one. I'll say 1-2 and two for the record. Second Fizz feedback, final Fizz feedback question for the show what grade do you give Syracuse's recruiting class not only the guys that they signed this week but the class as a whole your your Michael Joneses your Lee Cobas your Cornelius Nunn you, you know those kinds of guys uh and it's a b c d or worse 
and far and away, 79% said B for the grade for Syracuse's recruiting class. I tend to agree. Don't think it can be an A if you don't have any four stars, you don't have any five stars. The fact that there are no four stars is incredibly confusing and frustrating because they had three at one point. Now all of a sudden they have none after National Signing Day. I guess something goes in you know, to what 24-7 and to what ESPN do to rank these guys. doesn't make much sense to me. But I think B, and I think it's on the higher B range. I think this is a really underrated class. Checking in at number 51 in the country, if I'm not mistaken, by 24-7. There are pieces in here that you can use moving forward for Syracuse. You build depth for the future. That's the exciting part, is that this is a team that is now built for future success. Yeah, I got to agree with you and Fizz Nation here. I, I think it's you know a B plus if we, we were putting that on the scale. If you land Adisa Isaac, which they were in the final four to do, he's a top 50 recruit. He's so good. He was from New York, and he goes to Penn State. Syracuse thought they had a good shot at him, and they did. We it. are. If you, land, if you land him, that's an A class. I don't care who else signs. That's an A class, but they don't land him. But that's, that's a good sign of things to come that he is considering Syracuse. But overall, still a really underrated class for Syracuse. A good class, one that's trending in the right direction. Will Syracuse basketball be trending in the right direction? We'll have the answer in a couple of hours. Syracuse and BC coming from the Carrier Dome. All your coverage on Orange Fizz. For Thomas Schultz, I'm J.D. Rochi saying so long and join us for basketball.